The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Today we are kicking off a series of squad goals and a series on friendship. And as you saw in the trailer, it featured several um, squads. Maybe you recognize some from your childhood, various cartoons. And one of the ones that is the most memorable for me from my childhood is a squad that went by the name The Planeteers. And they were part of a TV show called Captain Planet. Anyone like Captain Planet? Don't leave me alone up here. Any Captain Planet fans? A few of you? A one very proud person in the back. Thank you. Um, you can show me your Captain Planet tattoo later. Okay. Um, so Captain Planet, a lot to love about Captain Planet. Um, for starters, he's got this awesome flat top mullet thing happening. And I mean, that, you got to love that. Um, but uh, also, um, you may not know this about Captain Planet, but originally, the original voice behind Captain Planet was supposed to be Tom Cruise. True story, the first six episodes, he recorded the voice for Captain Planet, and then uh, there was some dispute between him and the producers, so they parted ways, and they had to re-record those first six episodes, so we never got to hear what it could have been. I mean, imagine what could have been if Captain Planet had been voiced by Tom Cruise. Incredible. But I'll bring up that, that picture uh, again one more time. You can look at just how they, they uh, made his face. They actually uh, modeled his face after Tom Cruise. You can kind of see the resemblance there uh, in his face because he was supposed to be the voice of that. But I love the show uh, Captain Planet. If you've seen it, they took these planeteers, these five young adults from uh, five different continents, and each one of them was given this ring with magical powers, okay? And when their powers combined. It brought about Captain Planet. And the premise of the show is there'd be some wicked villain that was bringing pollution into the planet, and Captain Planet arrived to fight pollution. I mean, why the show is not still airing? I mean... <laughs> What an incredible concept. So there'd be like someone dumping trash in the sea and they'd, they'd show like some baby dolphin like choking on the trash, okay? And then they would bring Captain Planet and he would zap the bad guys, all right, because their powers combined and it brought about Captain Planet. And kind of the whole premise of the show is basically the same premise of all of these shows where you see a group, a f group of friends, a team, a squad, all of them have this basic premise that we're stronger when we work together. Now, that in and of itself represents, I believe, a tension for our culture. Because on one hand, we are a deeply individualistic culture. We pride ourselves on the fact that, oh, I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I'm self-made. I got it. I don't need it. I, I can do it. I, I believe in myself. If I put my mind to it, I can accomplish it. I don't need anything from anybody. We're deeply individualistic, and we actually celebrate that. But at the same time, underneath the surface, deep down lurking, there's something that we know about how we're wired, and it really is something we long for. We long to belong to something. We, we desire 
that to be a part of something, be part of a team. And we know, because we know deep down how we're wired, is that we're better if we're part of a team. In other words, there's a basic premise I think we know. Is that, simply put, we is greater than me. To put it as simply as possible, we, a team, a group, a squad, friends together, we is greater than me. I can, we can go farther together than anyone can go individually. But there's a tension that we feel. Now here's the thing. It doesn't matter what my opinions on the subject. This is not self-help, okay? This is not me being like a life coach for you or something. My opinions do not matter. What does matter and what I hope is the most important thing to you is if you believe that there is a God, then you would, you would want to know what the one who wired you says. The one who created and designed the concept of humanity, what would be most important is what he says. What we believe is that his words were, are inspired through the Bible. And so let's look and see what the Bible has to say on this subject of friendship. If you'd open with me in your Bible, or if you have a Bible app, open to 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's in the New Testament. If you have a Bible, a physical Bible, go to the concordance if you need to, find it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 9, and we're going to spend this series really taking a look at the end of this letter. We call it a book, but really it's a letter. And we're going to look at the, how this, the, the conclusion of this letter, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9. Let me read just this one very short verse, and we'll get our bearings here about what's happening. Verse 9 says this, Do your best to come to me soon. Now what we see is a very, it's very personal, what's being written here. In fact, this whole section of the letter is all of the personal stuff of the letter. What makes 2 Timothy um, unique, there's only a few of these letters. The New Testament is full of letters. What makes it, we call them books, but they're really letters, most of them. Um, what makes this unique is that this is not written to an entire church in a city like the book of Romans or Corinthians or a region like Galatians. This is written to a particular individual, a guy by the name of Timothy. And it's, it's from a guy by the name of Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy is the guy he's been mentoring. It's his protege. They're very close. They've worked very closely together. Paul is like a father figure to Timothy. In fact, he even refers to him as my son. Very close. And in here we see, really, we're going to get a window into the personal life of Paul and their relationship. And really what we see, Paul here, he says, Timothy, I, I need you here. I know I sent you off to do, to do work, to do missions work, but man, I need you to come back. I, I, I need you here. This is what he's saying to Timothy. All right, before we take another step into what he says, let's just stop for a second because it's important to appreciate the author and who this guy Paul is. It's hard to overestimate the influence that Paul as a single individual has had on the last 2,000 years of human history. It's really hard to, to overestimate it. There is a very short list of people that have had that level of influence that this one guy, Paul. As I, I said just a moment ago, he wrote um, most of the books in the New Testament were authored by Paul. They're letters from Paul. He's influenced, um, because of that, he's, these books have been read in every single country in the world over the last few thousand years. Some whole nations and empires have been built 
on the teachings of the New Testament. This guy, Paul, it's hard to, to overestimate how influential he's being. And that's, he is, and it's not just something that happened hundreds of years later. During his time uh, here, during his life, he had traveled around to all the major cities of the eastern half of the Roman Empire. He traveled all through there, and he and his companions would, would speak this message about Jesus, and this entire major uh, international, these cities that they were in, would be like just completely in an uproar. In fact, when they get to Thessalonica, one of these major cities, their enemies said this about them. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. Paul had tremendous influence in his own day and has had, uh, really, it, it's hard to compare the influence that he has had. There's a very short list of people that have had that level of influence over the last couple thousand years. We're looking at his personal remarks to his protege, Timothy. He asked Timothy to come and visit him, to come back and be with him. Let's pick it up in verse 10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Let's pause there for just a second. Why is Paul asking Timothy? And you'll see in just a moment, he's going to ask Timothy a second time to come and visit him and, and be with him. Why is Paul asking Timothy so urgently uh, to return? Why? Because he's alone. In fact, there was just one person he said that remains with him. Did you catch who it was? Who is it? Luke. That, by the way, is the famous Luke, the one who wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. Paul is in prison at the end of his life, and the only one that is with him is Luke. The others, he is either sent off, like Titus and Tychicus, he sent them off to do, to do work, to do ministry, to check on some of these churches or to establish churches, or some of them just flat out deserted him. Demas turned his back on Paul and has, has completely left him, abandoned him. And so what do you hear from Paul? You hear Paul saying, like, I, I'm alone. I mean, this is a vulnerable moment. He's saying, in fact, when I stood trial the first time, he said, everyone deserted me. I was all alone. And I want you to see this here, Paul, because he, he threads the needle here. He's not complaining and being bitter, because you notice what he says right after that? He says, may the Lord not count it against them. May the Lord forgive them. He's not still bitter but he's being vulnerable with this guy that he's mentoring and he's saying to them, he's saying to him, man, I'm alone. I, I, I'm, I'm all by myself here. I'm alone. I have Luke, but man, I, I need you here. I need you to, to, to be here. I, I'm, I'm alone. This is a powerful model to Timothy about loneliness. It, it's just, it's saying loneliness, it's not okay. 
That's something that the entire Bible teaches. I want to take you all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, like first couple pages in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. First two chapters in the entire Bible. Genesis 1, if you're familiar, describes this beautiful description of how God created everything in the world. And he describes how God creates it, and it describes it in six days. So day one, it says God creates light, and then he talks about how God creates land and water, and then the plants and the trees and the sun and the moon and humans, and goes through all the, the days. And, and the first day, it says God creates everything, and it says, and God says, it was good. And then the second day, he creates, and then it says it's good. Third day, he looks at what he made, and he says, it's good. Which is pretty much like the greatest understatement in the history of the universe, Okay. We're talking about the ultimate creator. Like if there's ever been anything that anyone created that impressed you, this is the one. God is the one who invented inventors, okay? He created creating, okay? And he is creating with all of his perfect, unlimitless power. He makes it and he stands back and like, yeah, it's good. Kind of an understatement. Every single day, day four, it's good. Day five, it's good. Day six, it's good. And then it says he steps back and he rests on day seven. And it says he looks at everything that he made. And then he says, it's very good. Then we turn a page over. We get to Genesis chapter two. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter two. Let me read this. Genesis 2:18. Then the Lord God said, it is what? It is not good. That the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay, so here's what we have. We have Genesis 1. It is good. 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 It is very good. Genesis 2. Not good. You got Adam all by himself. And so then it says that Adam created, or that God then created Eve. He has a man and a wife together. A man and a woman. And he not only, he's not only making a marriage here, but think about this. He's now creating the capacity for humans to be reproduced and to fill the earth. In other words, it is not good for one human to be isolated and alone. God's words. But let's take it a step further. Can we just push into this theologically for a second? If you believe in God, I believe that there is a God. The Bible declares there's a God then by definition, he is perfect and perfect in his wisdom and his power. So if we get to Genesis 2, this is not what's happening. It's not that God's like, oh, I blew it. I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier, okay? I was so busy making the sun and everything. I didn't think Adam's all by himself. Gabriel, Michael, come here. We got to brainstorm for a second. What do I do? He's all alone. It's not good. Clearly, that's not the situation here. So what does that tell us? When he crafted the first human, he intentionally crafted that human to be incomplete. Right? He intentionally wired that human to be not good until the other humans arrived. Until he created a relationship for that human. He, he intentionally wired. In other words, we are wired, we are incomplete unless there's another human present. We are incomplete unless we have that kind of relational, uh, that, that relationship that we are, we are prepared for and we are made for by God. Paul is modeling something really powerful to his protege, Timothy. He's very vulnerably saying, man, I'm lonely and it's not good. You don't see Paul saying this. 
hey, Timothy, um, yep, I've been left alone, but you know me, Timothy. I don't need anybody. I mean, you know what I've overcome. I've been shipwrecked. Can't stop old Paul. I'm good. I just keep ticking. I mean, I, he's like, you know me. I've been beaten up. They've whipped me. They've thrown me in a dungeon. They tried to stone me to death, but I can do it all by myself. I don't need anybody. You don't see that from Paul. What you see from this incredible influencer in human history, this person that God used powerfully, what you see from Paul is very vulnerably modeling something for the person that he's mentoring, where he's displaying, man, I'm alone and that's not good, man. I need you here. I need you here. He's pursuing that relationship. All right, now he's just told Timothy that he was deserted when he stood trial. I want you to see what he says next. Let's pick it up in verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, he's got more to say to Timothy, but I just want to pause here just for a brief second. He says, man, I went through a a rough season. I was standing all by myself on trial. No one stood by my side, but he's very, he, he says, but the Lord, he said, Jesus stood next to me. Jesus was with me through that. And then did you notice like right there, I mean, he's like kind of in the middle of what he's talking about with Timothy. He just breaks into worship. Did you see that? Jesus rescued me. Jesus stood by my side. May he have all the glory forever and ever, amen. Just breaks out into worship for Jesus. Hold on to that thought. Let's finish up this letter. This is the final words of the letter. And maybe the final words Timothy ever heard from Paul. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as does Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, a couple of thoughts on this last part. First of all, there's some weird names in there. Can we just all agree, Pudens is the worst, okay? I'm sorry, you know if your name is Putin's, um, but uh, it's just, <laughs> it's not uh, one of the better ones. Okay, anyway, a lot of names in there, and um, he's sending to Timothy greeting from these brothers and sisters who are there with him, so these other Christians. He's saying, hey, you know, these, these Christians, Claudia, Linus, all the brothers and sisters, Putin's, they send greeting to you, Timothy. Now, uh, Pastor Justin actually um, sh- made this insight. I thought this was really uh, interesting, really a uh, great insight. Time out a second, Paul. Y- you've got all these people who you're sending greetings from. I thought you were all alone. Didn't you just say, Paul, didn't you just say that only Luke is with you? And now you got all these people here with you that you're sending greeting from. Okay, like what is it? Are you alone or are you surrounded by people? Paul is, is modeling to Timothy a very important truth about friendship, about true, rich friendship. You can be surrounded by a lot of people and you know their names and they're great people. I mean, they, they, if you're a Christian, maybe they're also Christians. You can be surrounded by a lot of people. 
You may say hi to them at work. You may say hi to them at church. You may say hi to them in your neighborhood. And you can know a lot of people all around you, and you can still be all alone. See, these people that Paul is saying that have gone out, either they've been sent out or they've deserted him, these people that Paul is missing, you know, Titus, Tychicus, these people like this, these are his co-labors. These are the people who've traveled from city to city. These are the people that he's walked through adventures with. These are the people who've gone through trials together with. These are the people that know him deeply. These are his intimate friendships. It's his team. It's his group. It's his friends. It's his squad. I mean, these are his people. And, these, and that's why he's asking, man, come, come visit me, uh, Timothy. I need you here. Bring Mark with you. He's saying, I need my friends here. I've got these other people that I know. And yes, they're great. They're wonderful. They send you their, their greetings. But I need my people here. I need my squad here. See, there is a big difference. And Paul's modeling this for Timothy. There's a great, big difference between an acquaintance and a friend. Uh, you may have a lot of acquaintances. They may be great people. You may say hi to them maybe every day. But that's different than a friend. A friend is someone who is up to speed on your life. They know what's going on in your life this week. When you sit down and go grab coffee with this kind of person, a friend is someone, it doesn't take long to get them caught up. You don't have to go very far back. They're actively in your life now. It's not just Paul saying, yeah, I know a lot of people. I have a lot of people around me, but I need my friends. I need my squad. I need my team. I need my group. And he's modeling the difference. But when we talk about the difference between an acquaintance or a friend, there's also a difference between a friend and an old friend. Because there's plenty of people in my life that, you know, they, they may not know what's going on in my life like this week. But, man, I mean, I have a lifelong friendship. If I needed anything, if I'm stranded on the side of the road in the middle of the night, I know I could pick up my phone and say, hey, bro, look, I'm sorry it's 2 a.m., but I need you to come get me. And I know that they would. But if they're not current on my life, that's great. That's a lifelong friend. Celebrate that friend. Thank God for that friend. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what Paul's missing. He's not just looking for old friends. Because if, if they are not current in, what you're, in your current life, you are wired for more. If, if you say, well, I have friends. Well, if your last interaction with that friend was the Christmas card you sent them and the Christmas card you received from them, and the interaction before then, was the Christmas card you sent to them and the Christmas card you received from them? That's an old friend. That's great. And maybe you'll see them when one of their kids get married one day and you've traveled to the wedding. That's great. Cherish those old friends. What Paul is saying, and he's modeling for his protege Timothy, is he's saying, look, I need my squad. I'm wired for those people who I am doing life with, who are current and walking on this adventure and this journey called life with me. He wants his friends. And there's one more insight that I want to show you before um, we, we kind of press into this a little bit more. Last thing, that last sentence here in 2 Timothy is profound. And we read it, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. That first phrase, the Lord be with your spirit, that is addressed to Timothy. Uh, of course, the whole book is addressed to Timothy, but that word, your spirit, the word your in the original Greek is singular. Well, of course, he's talking to Timothy. The recipient is a singular but the last part, grace be with you, that last part, interestingly, that last word you is plural. Now, what's with that? I mean, he's just sending it to, to Timothy. So who's he pronouncing grace on if it's a plural? Here's what Paul knew. He knew that Timothy would take this letter 
and he knew he would share it with the people around him. That was the intention. He'd share it with his church and he'd get passed around to different churches so that they could learn from Paul's model as well. And, and how could they have ever imagined that that letter would continue to be circulated thousands of years later on the other side of the planet here in South Florida in 2020? So in other words, this model that Paul is modeling for Timothy about friendships, that's also a model for you by design. You and I were wired for friendship. We see from Paul this incredible model and balance because there's two extremes when it comes to friendships that we can fall into. And typically, um, each one of us fall into one or the other. The first extreme is, is on this side. And this extreme is where we say, look, I, I like, I mean, who doesn't like friends? I mean, I like friends. I just, you understand, like, I'm really busy. I just, I got a lot going on. I mean, I got my job, which is crazy, okay. And, you know, I've, I've got kids and like, like I've got to take one kid over to their bassoon lesson over here. And this kid I got to take to ballet over there. I mean, I don't have, I don't have time. Like I just, I'm so busy. I'd love to have more time with friends. I just don't have any time. But really what that is, is it's ignoring the importance of friendship. Because really the problem is not the amount of time. We make time for what's important. Our Netflix history shows us <laughs> how we use our, our time, okay? What we're really saying when, I say, when we say, I don't have time, what we're really saying is, I'm not prioritizing friends. Let's just call it what it is. We're saying, I am not prioritizing friendship. So if I don't see friendship as something that's worth my time to prioritize, here's what I'm saying. I am basically saying, I'm fine. Friendship is a nice little addition to add on sprinkle on the top. But I'm really fine. I'm good. I don't need friends. I am a high enough capacity person where I actually don't need other people in my life. I'm good. So I don't need to make time for it. But that goes directly against what the one who invented you said. Being alone, not good. That's not how you are wired. And so you, the reality is, you, you might be a high-capacity person. You probably are a high-capacity person. But what the scripture then is saying is, you could be more if you had friends speaking into your life. In fact, well, let, let's just be just straight up with each other. I mean, Paul, none of us, you're not and I'm not as high-capacity as Paul. He has shaped, he's been one of the key influencers of the last 2,000 years of history. I mean, no one, we're not going to have that level of influence. And Paul is modeling vulnerably. I know the importance of friendships, and I'm making, I need you here, uh, Timothy. I, I'm pursuing this because I know I am wired to need that. Why is that so important? Because every single one of us has blind spots in our life. And, the, and friendships sharpen us. We have people in our lives. Why are friendships so important? Well, if you believe that prayer is powerful, let me ask you this question. Who knows you well enough to know how to pray for you this week? Friendships, you are designed for that type of relationship. That, that is how we were wired. But there's one more danger that sometimes when we're in, in here is that, that we fall into is we say, well, you know what, like I'm good because I, I got Jesus. 
It's just, it's me and Jesus. That's all I need. I might be alone, but I'm going to go into my prayer closet, and I just, as long as I have just me and Jesus, I'm good. You know what that really is? That is being more spiritual than Paul is being. Because Paul is saying, yes, I definitely, I need Jesus. But Jesus has wired me to need friendships. And so the, the idea that we get spiritually mature enough to not need friends is not spiritual maturity, that is immaturity. Paul models for Timothy, he models and for us that he needs friendship. The danger is it's, friendship is more, there's one thing that's, that's loneliness. God can walk us through seasons of loneliness, but isolation is something different. Isolation is something we choose. And the danger of isolation is what he said, as he says, the Lord will rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Isolation is when I choose to be all by myself, away from the herd, where I might get picked off by the lion. That's the danger of being away from, from relationships. We are wired. We cannot ignore the importance of relationships. But there's another extreme. Because there's many in here, or many that are watching online, and what you would say is, no, I am not that person. I very much know my need for friendship. In fact, you say, look, I am very aware of my loneliness. I am, I'm desperate for friends. I'm asking God for friends. I don't want to be alone. And if that's where you're at, I, that is great introspection of, of what you need and who you are. And here's the danger. Now, that, that's healthy to know that you need friendships. But here's the danger. is so often when I've gone through a season of loneliness and I so desperately need that friend, when I finally find that friend, I grab onto it as if it's that friend is the one who's rescuing me. And when I grab on to that friend, what can happen is I can actually begin to worship that friendship. You say, I don't I mean, worship the friendship. That sounds like stalkerish, okay? Like I'm not, I'm not worshiping a friendship. That's a little crazy. Okay, all it takes to worship a relationship, it doesn't take much. Seasoned Christians and believers fall into worshiping relationships all the time. Whether it's a, a, a marriage relationship, dating relationship, a relationship with your kids, or a relationship with a friend, all it takes to worship a relationship is to use that relationship to do what only God can do. It's when I say, oh, well, I love this friend because he or she will never leave me nor forsake me. Well, there's only one who makes that promise and can actually keep it. That's Jesus. It's when I use that relationship, that friendship, for my identity. When I use that friendship for my redemption. When I use that friendship as to where I get all my direction. When I use that friendship where that's where I get all my self-esteem. Where that's where I take all my problems. And I take it to that friendship or that relationship instead of taking it to my creator. Who I actually have access to almighty God, to my savior Jesus. I, I take it to that friendship. When I worship that friendship, it inevitably crushes that relationship. Because no one is God. No one can live up to that. And here's how it usually plays out. I'm going along in this perfect relationship, this person, and I, I don't think that I'm worshiping. I would never think that. Like, I know that they've got flaws, but then one day conflict happens. And because I have such high expectations on this friendship, I am so shocked and bewildered that conflict has happened. I feel so wounded and betrayed because I wasn't expecting conflict to happen. It's like, I would never have thought conflict would have happened in this friendship. This is the perfect friendship. But there's only one who's perfect. It's Jesus. And by the way, 
you even have conflict with Jesus. Say, well, how could I have conflict with Jesus? He's perfect. You're right, he's perfect. You have conflict with Jesus because you're not perfect. (laughs) There's no relationship that's gonna be free from from conflict. See, here's the the extreme. One extreme is, is I ignore the importance of relationships. I just ignore friendships. And the other extreme is I worship them. And, and what we find from Paul is this beautiful, perfect balance. I go back to where we started. We said, we is greater than me. I am stronger in relationships. That's just how I'm wired. I cannot, I mean, if you're arguing that, you, you've got to argue with the Bible. We is greater than me, but we've got to add another layer to it. He is greater than we who's greater than me. Paul said, I'm lonely, but Jesus walked me through my loneliness and he stops to worship Jesus. It's only Jesus who rescues and any of those relationships are wonderful. Thank God for them. They're they're a provision from the one, Jesus, who will never leave you or forsake you. We need Jesus and Jesus has wired us to need each other. That's the balance. So here's the challenge. Here's how I want to challenge us, church is that I think maybe the greatest catalyst in your life for this new year is to take a step forward like Paul does and pursue friendship. Pursue friendship. Just take one step forward. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you a, a way to do that. This is such an important discipline that we believe in as a church. That's why we spent so much time crafting our small groups. That's why we spent the last 18 months reinventing our small group system and last six months building small groups curriculum. That's why we're spending so much focus on relaunching this because these friendships, we know we are wired for this. This is how we're wired to thrive and thrive as we're serving each other and serving together. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to take a step and find, not only take a step before friendships, but I want you to take a step forward and find out more information about the small groups which are launching in just two weeks. I, I've just forgotten when they launch. When do they launch again? When is it? January 26th. January 26th. <sighs> just, I'm just discouraged now, okay? It's January 26th, okay? The 23rd is a worship night. You, you have to remember that too. But the 26th, groups are starting that week, okay? January 26th. And here's what I want you to consider doing. Take a step towards just, take a step today about finding more information about groups. What will happen if you go to a group? Groups meet all over in homes, in, in, in uh, homes all over the, the city, and they meet during the week. You arrive with a group of people that you begin growing in friendship with. You usually meet, and it's just kind of a, a hangout social time. There's usually snacks, and then the group will sit down, and we have been building uh, over the last several months, our own in-house small group curriculum. They are 15 to 20 minute videos that are Bible teaching on, sometimes it's on subjects, like how to lead more effectively in your spheres, what the Bible has to say about that. Or it's about biblical subjects like heaven. Sometimes it's on uh, books of the Bible, like the book of Hosea or something like that. And you go through that for five weeks. You go through that um, study and, and after watching uh, 15 to 20 minutes that evening, then you discuss it together. You pray for each other. You serve each other. Take care of each other. Help each other. If someone's moving, you help them. If someone's in the hospital, you make them meals. It's, you're beginning to build those friendships. 
And um, uh, the way we have crafted the system is uh, our groups meet in terms of five weeks. So it'll be five weeks on, then there's, you take a two-week break. That gives you two weeks where you can, as a group, ideally go find a way to do a service project. We'll provide service project opportunities, and during that two-week break, you can go out and serve together in the city and help us as we're furthering our vision of reaching the city. So five weeks on, two weeks off, five weeks on, two weeks off. And this first, uh, this first term that starts on January 26th, uh, this first term is just an introductory term. This one's only three weeks. So if you do sign up for a group, you are not signing up for the rest of your life. You're just signing up for three weeks and then five weeks on and two weeks off um, as you go along. So here's what I need you to do today because I want you to take a step forward uh, on this journey today. Here's what I need you to do right now. Can everyone take out your cell phone? Can you take a second? Pull out your cell phone. On your cell phone, I want you to go to westpines.org slash groups. Take out your cell phone. Go to westpines.org slash groups. As you're doing that, I am going to invite Josh Slaughter back out. Josh Slaughterback is on our staff team. He oversees our groups. Help me welcome Josh Slaughterback. I'm going to be honest, that was kind of a slow clap at the beginning. They're not so sure. Yeah, they don't seem very excited. They weren't very excited about you. All right, but we'll give them another chance to clap at the end. We'll see if it's a little more rowdy. Okay, um, so Josh, we are at, they're on their cell phones. They're at westpines.org slash groups. Um, what do they do next on that page? Okay, so once you're on that web page, go to the button there. It says, get connected to a group. All you're going to do is click that button. It should bring you to a form. On that form, we just need a couple of things from you, your first and last name, your mobile phone number, and your email. So just basic information, a way we can contact you. Take a second now, fill that out. Um, what happens when they put their personal information in there? What, what's going to happen next? So this week, we're going to have a team working together to give you a call. We want to call and walk you through everything that you submitted so that way we can best find the group that fits for you in the season of life. So as you're, as you're filling this out, here's all you're doing. You're not signing up for a group today. All you're doing is filling this out so that you, I want to get you all the information so you can uh, make a decision prayerfully. So just take a moment. You're just filling this out to get information. That's all you're doing. Um, and there's a bunch of just different types of groups and their options. Uh, walk us through some of those different options there. Yep. So after we get your personal information, scroll down there to pick a group. Feel free to select a couple of those because, again, we'll call you this week. We'll walk you through that and best find the group that fits your season of life. But the first group there is young adults, 18 to 25, the college, post-college, early career age. You have the young professionals and young married, the single-slash-married groups, the empty nester groups, and then you have the women's groups and men's groups. These, these groups are really special. They're equally as valuable, but there's something unique about the, this idea that a man will go into a group with other men and women will go into a group with other women and rally around each other. There's something very special that happens there. So we would encourage you to check those out. We also have just some incredible men yeah. and women group leaders. And then after that, we have our Spanish speaking, our Portuguese speaking, and the multi-generational groups. And they can check a couple of different ones if they're, if they're interested. Yes, they can check a couple. Okay, so just take a second. I want you to put your information in. Just check a couple of those that you're interested in finding out more information. And then at the end, hit submit. And uh, we will have someone call you this week and help you walk through that and find, uh, get you more information about a group that fits you and what you're looking for. So, um, all right, hey, help me thank Josh Slaughterback. It's a little better, a little better. 
<laughs> Thank you for all your hard work, Josh, on setting up groups. And uh, we appreciate all, all your help with that. Uh, church, here's what, here's what we're doing today. We have a, a, a burden and a passion to hear what the scripture says and, and respond. Like if this is what the Bible says, let's respond. Here's all that you're, asking, you're being asked to respond. Take a step towards friendship. Take a step. Fill that out to be brave. Some of you might be here and saying, look, this is, this is a sensitive subject for me, friendships, because it's a risk and I've been hurt. And I know that that's a risk, but just take a step. Just, just take a step towards that because deep inside, I think you know, um, uh, the we is, is greater than me. And, and here's what you can trust, that he, Jesus, is the greatest and he's walking through this with you. Earlier uh, today, we, we spent some time taking some communion and we celebrated the, the broken uh, the broken bread, which symbolizes the broken body of Jesus and the poured out juice, which symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus and all that he suffered for our salvation. But you know, part of that passion is he was abandoned in his darkest hour by all of his friends. I mean, his friends, the people he had invested in. Uh, some denied him even knowing him. One betrayed him. And after all of the ways that he was uh, wounded and pierced and whipped and, 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 and he was on a cross, he actually at one point looks to heaven and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because as he was taking all of our sin on the cross, it, it's God the Father, the Holy God, God the Father turns away from God the Son. And so here's what I want you to understand. We we have found reconciliation to God. We have found our salvation and our reconciliation to God. We have found belonging in the family of God. We've been adopted as children, sons and daughters of God. And, and for us to find that belonging, Jesus was willing to suffer utter rejection and isolation and loneliness to a degree that we will never have to face. That's what Jesus did. And that's how important this is for him to find, help us be reconciled and find a place where we belong. I want to welcome you in today. And for some of you Christians, I want to welcome you into, into, the, into pursuing the relationships you were designed for. But I also, I want to welcome some of you in who are saying, look, I feel a thousand miles away from God. It doesn't have to be that. That can change right now. You can choose to put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would everyone just take a second and just bow their heads and close their eyes? All I'm going to do is just lead you in a simple prayer. If you're watching online, just bow your head uh, right there where you're watching. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. and Just silently there in your seat. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Just silently there say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for all that you did so that I could be adopted in as a child of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 
432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.